Welcome to another episode of TalkScript. Today, Nick and I talk TypeScript with Esri and Airtable. All right. Uh, joining us today, we have Christian Ekinis and Ann Fitz. Uh, Ann, say hello. Hi, everyone. And Christian, you as well. Thanks, Nick. It's been a, it's a pleasure to join you here. Yeah, we're really excited. And we are talking to you about the company you work at, which is Esri. So do you want to maybe tell us what Esri is? Sure. Yeah. Esri is a software company that specializes in geographic information software. And that's basically a really fancy way of saying that we build mapping software. And uh, we have customers all over the globe. We're the market leader in this kind of software. It allows people to do some pretty complex workflows in creating and storing and analyzing spatial data. But also you can spin up um, pretty simple maps pretty quickly with our software. Mm -hmm. So your software really helps others uh, kind of develop map-centric app applications. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I, I, I have known about Esri uh, for a long time and seen uh, the API, worked with the API some, and it's it's really cool. Um, and you've been a longtime player in the, the JavaScript space as well. I don't... A I returning mean, champion, even. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not sure if... I mean, I guess in JavaScript years, then maybe it's a long time, it, almost seven years now. Um, it doesn't oh. feel like a long time, but um, it's certainly gone by fast. And, and I want to point out that it's not just one API. We have many APIs that we develop here at Esri, and JavaScript is just one of those, though it is probably the most popular one that we have. For sure. Nice. And you both work on, you're both product engineers on the uh, ArcGIS GIS API. That was a lot of uh, letters <laughs> I had to get out there real quick. This is why Nick does the introducing and I don't because I can't talk. So. <laughs> you get better at saying it, uh, saying it the more you like work on it. So ArcGIS API for JavaScript. Nice. Oh, that's a mouthful. <laughs> it just, it, it is. Yeah. very well. Yeah, we're both product engineers at the for the ArcGIS API for JavaScript. <laughs> Very nice. And I I think I, I think that's what I was referring to when I said the API is the ArcGIS <laughs> <Yeah>. API. <laughs> he just didn't want to try. Yeah. <laughs> but the product engineering role is pretty I don't I think it's kind of unique to Esri um, in the sense that it's it's an interesting bridge between like the customers and the developers of the API. So Christian and I we write a lot of blogs trying to explain like um, concepts in the API to our customers. We write documentation, we write samples. We um, do a lot to try to get people on board with the API. Uh, that's really cool. Yeah, so kind of sounds like a little bit of like evangelism or uh, developer experience uh, type work as well. That's really cool. Yeah, it's a bit of that. And then it's also like a lot of testing and making sure things work too. So <laughs> yeah. can't forget. Can't forget that. That's important. Yeah. And speaking of making things work, uh, I mentioned that it's a, a JavaScript API, but more recently uh, it's uh, converted to a TypeScript API. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Yeah. We we didn't change the name, of course. We have a brand, I guess. <laughs> we got to keep up. But uh, yeah. Our, well, our... You've all learned how to say it. So you can't, I mean, at this point, <laughs> the training, the amount of money they have to spend on training would just be too much. Like, I, I agree. Just keep it the same. Can you imagine updating all of our course materials just to change one word? Um, yeah, it's uh, 
Yeah, we've changed all of our code base, upgraded it to TypeScript. That was a uh, multi-year effort to get done. But on top of that, we also deploy public typings to our users to take advantage of in their own apps. Very nice. And so with that, um, that multi-year transition, did it kind of start off with like, you know, just type uh, definitions for the JavaScript API and then kind of moving, slowly moving over towards full, full on TypeScript? Yeah, I, I wasn't fully involved in that early on effort, but I would say that it was definitely a, a progression. We would have we release about four times a year well we definitely really four we'll release four times a year and um and each of those some releases might have had a huge migration effort and other ones maybe it was much smaller um but we we were yeah i, I don't know what else to say about it <laughs> yeah i know it's it's a, a common story uh, especially one that we hear you know it's it makes things uh, easier to develop uh, on a large JavaScript application, uh, such as as uh, your API, and uh, but it also benefits the users as well because it makes it easier to work with it uh, because you just get all of these nice type hints and everything. Um, is is that kind of the biggest impact that you've seen, or have you seen like a positive uptake since since converting over to that? Honestly, we've seen. Um, I think there's probably been more hesitation than anything in our users. We are So our company is unique, or I guess I should say our product is unique in the sense that we've got a wide range of, of users and developers. You have the traditional um, computer science geek who develops you know apps and they're asked to create a spatial application of some kind. And for them, it's I, I would say it's probably a lot easier for them to migrate over to TypeScript and to, and they, maybe they were asking for it early on to get you know, a more modern uh, development experience. Then you have the geospatial professional where they're classically trained in geography and in using software, not so much developing it. And they may have been tasked with creating web apps in the past and maybe they hacked their way through it or they are giving a template that Esri provided the, to start with. And for them to migrate the app is a much larger effort. So in that, space it's been a little bit more difficult to help people onboard onto typescript mm -hmm. but we've certainly heard a lot of success stories and people writing better apps cleaner code and having an overall better experience in developing using the typescript or the typings that we provide yeah it's definitely one of those things that if you're not used to seeing it the first time you see it is daunting um I'm a designer myself, but I dabble in code and I definitely, every now and again, I'll look at something that's in TypeScript and I, I can see the JavaScript in it, but then I start looking deeper and I'm like, man, what is happening here? And I know it's for, it's for my own benefit and it's for my own good, but it just, it takes a little bit of effort to really want to do that if you aren't used to doing it, because maybe when you're just kind of one of those people that's hacking stuff together you're less inclined to care about the typings and type safety and the benefits initially, right? Because it's hard to see the benefits of, well, I have a deadline and I need to get this done. So the benefit to me right now is nil. It's actually a hurdle. <laughs> um, so that's a, definitely an interesting problem to get over um, to, to kind of uh, explain to those types of users why this is actually 
going to still benefit you in the long run, even if in the short term, it feels a little daunting. Absolutely. Yeah, and we, we try to like give, um, so at our conferences um, that we have twice a year, we try to encourage users to use TypeScript and we have, normally we have at least one presentation that's totally dedicated to like, here's how you use TypeScript with our API. And it like covers all the basics of getting started and everything you need to know. And we make that available on YouTube as well. So it's available for everyone. Oh, nice. We'll have to add one to the show notes or, or add a, a link to that in the show notes. Uh, that's really cool. <clears throat> the um, So like, what else does it, to, what else would you say are, are like benefits that you found uh, of using TypeScript or, or have you seen benefits in your API? Like internally, it, you, you mentioned externally, it can be kind of both sides of the quarter for, for end users. Uh, but internally, has it allowed you to move faster? Do you want to take it, Anne? You can try. Um, yeah, I think so. I think one of the biggest benefits that we've seen is like we get a lot of feedback from um, customers. And so if something, they're like migrating their app to TypeScript and they get an error because something's not working, but it's docked a certain way and they're following the doc. That, that's where TypeScript kind of helps us out a lot with the documentation writing because mm. they'll like reach out to us and be like, listen, this isn't working and I have no idea why. And then we'll like go into the code and see like, whoa, that, that value that we put <laughs> is just, that's not what it's supposed to be. Um, so we actually create our typings from JS docs. So all the documentation okay. just gets built into the typings. Um, so yeah, that's one of one of the benefits that we see. Yeah, and that's great because that allows you to to quickly add those and get those like all of those hints and everything uh, that that TypeScript would give you in your editor, uh, without fully moving over or mo moving everything over at once. It's just a really nice way to to take advantage of the, that tooling. I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah, and in those hints that you get in the editor, we also like link back to our documentation. So oh, cool. people, when they're using our typings, they can easily like. What is this again? Like, I need to see the full description and, and click on that and go see it. So I think I it's pretty helpful. That. Yeah, absolutely. I love that because like, you know, I've worked so many times with, with you know, we should write js.comments and all of that, but it was never really practical until it's like being thrown in your face by the editor and like with links and examples and everything. It's just mm -hmm. so nice. Yep. Christian, you want to cover some of the other benefits that we see? No, I think you really touched on it. I think um, our way of using JS doc to create the typings is nice because that gives us full control over what's public and what's not. There's a mm -hmm. lot of components to the API or a lot of smaller APIs that we use internally that we don't want to expose to our users. And so using JS doc allows us to, um, to basically make that uh, very explicit to the end user what typings are, are available to them and a lot of times we we have errors in our doc as ann said so i think she really touched on that point really well that sometimes we dock something incorrectly and it may work in javascript but then you try to port your app to typescript and you get all these errors and and so not only does the user um, clean up their code but it allows us to clean up our sdk as well yeah, so it's a very collaborative effort, I think. We're helping the users write better code, and they're helping us catch any errors in our documentation and make sure that everything looks right there. So. 
Very cool. Do you find that it's uh, often a documentation problem or are there some times where it's docked one way and that is the expectation, but then you actually look at the code and it's not handling it the way you would uh, anticipate? We definitely yeah. see it both ways. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Anne. I didn't mean no, to cut I was, you. I was saying the exact same thing as you, so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we, we definitely see it both ways for sure. Um, I would say it's less common in that scenario. It's more often than not our documentation is incorrect. And I think as we've ported our API to TypeScript, we've also done a better job at testing the typings. As they've come out, we, we run a daily build and then we'll do some manual testing and to make sure that everything comes out okay and as expected. So we should catch the majority of our errors in that phase, but um, yeah, we certainly uh, still have room to grow in that area as well. How do you see it growing? Do you, do you see it growing into more full-fledged like TypeScript transition or like translation to TypeScript or uh, how, how do you see that going? Well, sorry, you go ahead, Anne. <laughs> I was just going to say right now, there's still a lot of work that we would need to do to like fully transition to mm -hmm. TypeScript in our SDK, for example, like all of our sample applications are still written in JavaScript um, and all our tutorials and everything there. So I think that that maybe would be the next step, kind of transitioning those samples to um, TypeScript. And that probably would help more um, people start to adopt TypeScript in their applications as well. Um, Christian, what were you going to say? Sorry. No, that was, you, you covered it all. We're on the same wavelength, Anne. <laughs> yes, yes, we are. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And it's, it's really cool because like, you know, at the end of the day, it's just JavaScript and that's like, the appealing, the most appealing thing about the language, about TypeScript, the language to me is you can approach it in both of these ways and they're both correct and they're both very much like supported by the TypeScript team. And it's not like, oh, you're not doing it. You're not truly writing TypeScript. Like, no, you are. You're getting the benefit of the tooling, which is what this is all about at the end of the day. And it's making your tools better and improving the lives of your customers. So that is just a great success story. And luckily, a few years ago, you didn't convert to CoffeeScript. So that, that was <laughs> right. good that you didn't, you didn't do that. One day. One day. <laughs> That's well, nightmare fuel. <laughs> uh, is there anything else you wanted to cover about um, the ArcGIS API uh, before we let you go? I mean, just in, in general or um, like, I mean, I could talk about this API for hours if you want me to, but. Please do. <laughs> Not hours. I'm surprised, <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't ask him like, what's your favorite, you know, API call, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, that's, you know, is it like, is it like picking children? Like it's kind of, you do have a favorite, but you don't want them to know it. Well, I mean, I definitely have favorite parts of the API and I think the API has gotten so big over the years that, I mean, that's one of the, dare I say, downsides, I guess, is the fact that it's so big. And that's what makes it actually hard to um, to communicate to our users is a lot of times 
they don't know the full capabilities that we offer because of the size of it. And that also is reflected on our team structure. We've got a lot of developers, a lot of product engineers, and we all specialize in different parts of the API. I specialize on the rendering side and styling your data. So data visualization is kind of my thing there. And so I'm, I favor that side of it by far. I find our visualization capabilities are better than any other mapping platform out there. It's easier to use in my opinion. And um, likewise, we are involved in lots of other cool projects uh, that are connected to other teams at Esri. Ann and I work together on a project called Arcade, which is a scripting language that's that we developed um, internally at Esri that allows people to basically calculate uh, fields on the fly, client side, or I should say instead of fields, data values that you could use in a visualization, for example, that you might not have readily available in your data set or your, your database or your service. So uh, there's a lot of fun projects I could go into, but we don't have to dive into that here. <laughs> Well, I definitely know that the the visualization is really nice. Um, it, it's it is um, it is like you said. It is a very large uh, surface area, and it's also very deep. And uh, I, you know, a few years ago, I was working on a project for just a little side project for a friend, and um, you know, we wanted to do this thing with Google Maps and um, you know, drop all these pins and do all these things, right? And like basically drop dots over a map and there might be 500 dots when really there should have been 1500 but it was too slow to even render that right so i do all this stuff and then you have to do things like try to figure out calculating to you don't want to drop it over water because then that looks dumb because you're trying to like mark a house and you're trying to like imply that there's a house here and then there's a river in this city and you can't know all this stuff ahead of time so the amount of stuff i had to do to make that work and then i went and looked at esri and i was like oh, this would have been a lot easier had I done it this way. Um, but, you know, he, he already had his reasons for the Google thing that existed. And so I was like, but really, if you just do this, it's a lot cleaner. Um, so I definitely wish I could have used that. But definitely uh, digging into that API, I was like, wow, this would have been a, this been a heck of a lot faster to do uh, all these things and, and quicker on the rendering side as well. Um, dropping all those points was... Uh, synchronously or in 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 the browser was uh not fun um so anyway, that's my little story i i have looked at it i've used it and uh i, I like it yeah that's hopefully, awesome hopefully all the listeners of this podcast will learn from your mistakes and, and go to the rqis api for javascript first oh, wow. <laughs> yeah absolutely i mean yeah I, that's that's just part of my life is now just, I mean, cause I have kids now. So my, my life is basically, okay, here's every mistake I've made. Um, go ahead and don't do all those. Uh, so this is just you know, an extension of that. Honestly, I have a lot of mistakes. So if anyone wants to hit me up, you know, just DM me on Twitter. I got a lot of things that I, I can tell you not to do. <laughs> and I, I was going to say that I'm pretty sure that, um, that it, I, I don't know if it's specifically the ArcGIS API or not, but I, I think it is. Uh, and I was going to say that early on in the pandemic, like all of the COVID trackers that were popping up, uh, like the one for my my county and the adjacent county were uh, were Arcti or Esri maps, at least uh, showing that data. And it was just obviously spun up very fast and was very useful for tracking that. And uh, it just speaks to how easy it is to get up and going and and visualizing that data over maps. 
Yeah, that I, I thought that the pandemic was really an awesome demonstration of how our software works. It's not just mm -hmm. even in, in JavaScript, but we have desktop apps, mobile apps where you can collect data and store it. And then you can spin up any number of apps using templates or app builders. And that uh, the most popular dashboard that we had out there was through Johns Hopkins. They created the dashboard, but they built it using our software and it got billions of views, right? And it was very popular and still is actually. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, seeing all the COVID mapping out there was, was really incredible. It was a depressing topic, but it really showed how the strength of our software. And was yeah, that the was... arc? Was that the ArcGIS API? Saying. Yeah, yeah, that was that was our API. Uh, so what the people at Johns Hopkins did was they they created a web map in ArcGIS Online, and you can that that app by itself, ArcGIS Online, is created using the JavaScript API at Esri, and uh, then they load that web map into a a template or I guess it's it's we call it a dashboard. And the dashboard was also built using the ArcGIS API for JavaScript. So they, the people who created it may not, um, I think they, they did have developers um, in their group that, that kind of pulled it all together, did some customized, um, did customized to, to their liking. But you don't have to, that's one of the cool things also is you don't have to be a web developer to really take advantage of our API. You can just style your data in our web or our map viewer application and then load it into a template and and you're good to go so yeah that's one of the coolest things i think about working on the apis because it's, it's really a foundation for um like all of all of our web apps at esri so arcgis online dashboards like the coronavirus dashboard um and so you're really touching a lot of different things when you're working on this api and yeah. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. it was definitely um, it's definitely interesting looking at dashboards and being like, huh, those tabs look familiar. Oh yeah, <laughs> I designed those with Dojo. Like, and then I'm like, hey, everyone, look at this. And then it's like, oh, you just ignore what you're actually looking at, though. Like, that's yeah, that that is death. So yeah, that's awful. Um, but you know, I live in Arizona, so that didn't happen here. Um, you know, it's been, it's been, uh, you know, very good here. No one's, yeah. it, it doesn't exist. So yeah, it's good. Well, yeah, uh, just a really cool example of, of these, the types of applications that you can build. And it is, like you said, beyond mapping and we'll, we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Um, and Christian, I really want to thank you for coming on and chatting with us today about Esri, about uh, the ArcGIS API that you work on and uh, about your usage of TypeScript. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. This was, was a pleasure. Thank you, Nick and Tori. Yeah, just Nick. He really, he really, you know, he really powers this thing. I'm just, I just kind of just sit over here. I'm like the Ed McMahon, but just not as funny. <laughs> No, I think you, you're Ed important McMahon. too. Not even like, not even like Andy Richter. Like I went with Ed McMahon. Like what was that? Who's I'm that? leaving that in. Yeah, I'm leaving that in because like no one even is gonna know what it was that. Gosh. See, that just goes to show. All right. 
right. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit stop recording now. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Okay. And, and then yeah. All right. We'll just go from here. All right. So uh, joining us to talk about Airtable, we have Nenya Edja. Nenya, how's it going? I'm pretty good. How are you guys? Great, great. Welcome to the show. And we also are joined by Caleb Meredith. Caleb, how's it going? Uh, it's going well. Glad to be here. We're glad you're here as well. So uh, for the few people who do not know what Airtable is, could you maybe describe that a little bit? Yeah, and then do you want to take it? Sure. Um, so Airtable is a platform that allows people who don't know how to code to develop software. So Airtable's mission statement is to democratize software creation, which sounds like a very ambitious goal. But we've developed a couple of tools which help users do that. The most important, the, mo the most fundamental one is uh, a database, which is kind of structured like a spreadsheet. That's what people typically think of Airtable as at a first glance. But it's really more of a database that allows people to organize data in a very structured, structured way. We have additional tools that we've built on top of this database. So we have things like apps and automations, and we're building things like interfaces um, so these tools allow people to actually develop the software on top of their data. So that's what Airtable tries to do at a high level. So it's a very complex product. There are lots of pieces that interact with each other, uh, but that's what we try to do at a high level. Yeah. I really like that. I like that it's it's deceptively simple when you first start looking at it. You're like, yeah, this is just a spreadsheet, whatever. And then it's like, oh, it actually has some more power. And oh, look at these different views that you can have. And then, oh, wait, this is actually, this is what a database is? Like if you're if you're not aware, like... It's kind of like this, like, and then you can just like add more and more power as you go, which is just super cool. Uh, but it's also got those really cool views. Yeah, the views are one of the best features. Yeah, of the product. It's, it's... Yeah, I used it recently to uh, write requirements because I wanted to write requirements, but it started to get out of hand. And if you've ever tried to write requirements for something that has multiple roles that can do similar things, um, and then some roles that can't do things, and then some roles that have access to features of products that other roles don't, it becomes this huge mess of a matrix where you're really trying to explain it, but writing it is hard. And then you either have to duplicate stuff when then it gets out of sync. And then I thought about it. And I was like, man, I just want a database where I could just tag that this thing is this and this is this and I yeah you could do it with Excel and I was trying to learn all these different commands and I was like man but I don't no one wants to do it this way and I was like oh wait I've heard of Airtable so I went to Airtable and it was like immediately within like 10 minutes I had all of those things set up and I was writing and just tagging all the different things with what they were and you could just go in now and flip a view and then I would have all the requirements for this user and then flip a view have all the requirements for that user and there was no duplication and one source of truth it was pretty amazing how quick that was and how simple it was on the surface and yet underneath I was sitting there going yeah. there's a lot going on here like that is not easy to make something like that simple um, because the fact that I could take anything from my head and make it come alive so quickly, that is yep. not yeah. an easy thing That's to do. That's the quintessential really Airtable experience. Yeah. It's, awesome. it's, so, it's so funny being a product engineer here and getting feature requests from users that I'm like, oh, that's a database feature. <laughs> and then you, and you want that. That's, that's, that's all right, we'll write a PRD, I guess. <laughs> that's awesome. And, and now to make all of that come alive, um, presumably you're using TypeScript. Is, is, that, is that true? Yes, we are using TypeScript, but we weren't always using TypeScript. That's interesting. How did you uh, approach bringing TypeScript into the Airtable code base? 
Yeah, so very early on, um, Airtable adopted Flow, which is another type checker built by mm -hmm. Facebook. Um, and so we had like pretty good adoption of Flow across our files. A lot of engineers independently converted, you know, old backbone style code or whatever you want to new modern JavaScript features in, in Flow. Uh, and then around the time when I joined, it was pretty clear that TypeScript had one developer mindshare. Um, and, and that was like, you know, we were getting more developers joining. They're like, what is this flow thing? We want to use TypeScript. Uh, and so we undertook a project to convert our, our code base uh, from flow to TypeScript as, you know, many other companies have, have chosen to do. Very cool. Uh, a quick question on that. I know that it's pretty straightforward or it can be pretty straightforward to convert from like JavaScript to TypeScript. Is it also similar converting from like flow to TypeScript? It's, uh, 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 it might actually be a little easier because you already have type annotations. So yeah. you don't have to do, right. So I, I, I did this work. I didn't have to do any creative work of like figuring out what the new type annotations were. That would, that would be just like a huge, huge undertaking. Uh, so instead, you know, you can write automated tooling to take flow syntax and then you kind of have to, I, I worked on the flow team at Facebook for a little bit. So, you know, there's a disclaimer, but uh, you have to know, like, what does this flow syntax do? What is the equivalent in TypeScript? And then after, you know, the automated tool runs, I was left with like 10,000 TypeScript errors that I just literally <laughs> spent a week manually fixing. I mean, look, I, I think like brute force work is pretty undervalued in, in, in terms of software. Sometimes Absolutely. it's just the way you got to get things done. I don't know. You could have you could have run a tool to do the brute force work, and it may have taken you six times as long. But at the end, you'd have that accomplishment, knowing that you saved no time, but you made something cool. That's true. That's true. Uh, but a good good news is I also made a cool uh, automated script that probably took much longer for for some of the transforms than nice. I just use my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, was it tough to get buy-in from other developers on the team uh, to to make that switch? It it wasn't actually like one of the one of the beautiful things I think about Airtable culture is we okay so there, there we we wrote a blog post about our TypeScript migration and ignore all of that my like favorite part of the blog post is an image I know a podcast is a great place to be talking about images but it's a GIF of a single file in our code base that. If you use the product, you'd be familiar of, of what this file is implementing. And it, it just like shows like literally the first commit by our, our, our founder. And then like every single year, there's some transformative shift, right? Like it started as like a backbone file. Then someone converted into an ES6 class and then someone added flow types. And then like I converted to TypeScript and then it was using React and then it became a React component and then it became a React class component. Then it became a functional component. And I, I love that image so much because what it encapsulates is our, our like really, one thing I've loved at Airtable is, is engineers really feel empowered to like go and, and make these like system-wide changes when, you know, as trends are changing, as we develop, you know, better programming practices, uh, 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 people are, are just kind of empowered that a company, we have that culture to, to go and, and like do the work. So when it came to switch from Flow to TypeScript, it was like clear to our engineering team that... TypeScript had won, TypeScript was better. And uh, uh, there was like a lot of will to do it among the engineering team. And so that will manifested in uh, uh, us like, you know, taking whatever the, the, you know, half a month to a month it took to uh, uh, actually do the work. 
So that's all it was, like uh, a, just a month, month and a half to do, uh, yeah, to do that? Yeah, that's, that's about what it took again. Like starting starting from Flow was, was nice because we had the existing type annotations. Um, and then, you know, you dig in right. for a week on the manual errors and ah, it's, there you go. But how absolutely terrifying is that to go, we're going to, we're going to embark on this thing that I'm pretty sure is going to be a good idea. But then at the end of the day, you have to, you're making a pretty drastic change to a lot of stuff. And there's a lot, of, I don't know there's at least a dozen people using Airtable. There might be a little more, give or take um, thousands. Uh, was that a little terrifying to, to kind of be like, this seems like a good engineering idea, but in the, I don't know me, I'm like, but that oh, seems terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. One of the nice things, at least for our users, is that, you know, you still use Babel to compile down the code. So you can like literally take, here's our, our Webpack bundle before the change, here's our Webpack bundle after the change, produce a diff, put it in the code review. Uh, and so like that allowed us to, to get confidence on the runtime semantics. But like, you know, I, I was new to the company when, when we were taking on this project. And so what I was personally terrified about is we had an engineering team and an engineering team who I knew had a lot of opinions about code. Uh, 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 and, and who really cared about that. And so uh, uh, making sure that, you know, we maintained the, the code quality bar and, and made sure everyone was on board and happy. That's, that's the thing I was scared about. Nice. Did you utilize any kind of transforms to aid in that um, conversion from Flow to TypeScript? Yeah, uh, uh, we, we wrote an automated code mod and it's open source. You can go to github.com slash Airtable and it's in there somewhere. Nice. <laughs> it's not going to uh, say where, though. It's, you got to go find it. And that, that's your first step. If you're committed enough, go find it. And then you can TypeScript is in the name. Code mod probably is as well. I don't know what order. <laughs> yeah. We'll definitely add that to show yeah. notes. We'll do the searching for you. <laughs> it's probably all a, it was probably all a blur at this point. You, you know, probably didn't sleep much. The terror of all of the situation. Being new, too. Like, ah. Oh, it's all at Caleb Guy's fault. Who hired him? <laughs> so uh, tell us more about what it's like to work at Airtable on uh, this TypeScript code base. Yeah. Uh, well, I think one of the wonderful things is um, how you know people continue to improve it. Uh, uh, I think like Nandi is a great example of, of one of these engineers. Yeah. So I guess uh, to clarify on that example, one of the things that we like to do a lot in Airtable's code bases, we make requests to external services, or basically just we make a ton of HTTP requests. So the standard problem with HTTP requests in TypeScript is that they always come back untyped, and you don't really have a good idea of what the shape of the data is going to look like. Or maybe you do know what the data is going to look like, but the TypeScript type and the runtime type are not always going to align. So over the course of many years, we built up a system called like object schemas. And these object schemas do runtime type validation of like requests of the responses of these HTTP requests. So basically, we can verify at runtime that the data looks the way that we expect it to look. But that's still, uh, even though we have runtime validation, we still don't have TypeScript validation. So the code is still kind of difficult to work with since you don't have types. So um, one thing I figured might be good to do is to basically use these object schemas, which are written in JavaScript code, and to try to extract a TypeScript type from them. So basically, generated automatically generated TypeScript type that matches the runtime type that is defined by the object schema, if that makes sense. Yeah. So basically, from like just this JavaScript code, you're able to both like do runtime type validation as well as like do 
type refinement in TypeScript. So you basically obtain a TypeScript type from this unknown response object. So that's like one small improvement that we've made to the code base over the course of many years. Uh, I actually came up with the idea to do this independently. Um, and a couple months later, I realized that this was an idea that Caleb had listed down in a document, uh, listing out all the potential things that we could do to improve the code base like uh, related to TypeScript. So uh, about half of those things have actually been independently completed by engineers who had no idea that document existed. So Airtable definitely really does have a culture of just like looking for things that need improvement and just going out and doing them. Nice. That's awesome. There's a, yeah. Most of my good ideas come from Nick's <laughs> documents as well, but I actually just read them and then I propose them back to him. And then I'm like, Oh, I had no idea, but yours sounds more <laughs> legitimate than mine. I mean, really, if you want the honest truth, that document was just the way of me not doing more work. <laughs> this, this, this is my out. Someone <laughs> should do this. Yeah, no, but it, I, I, again, the thing I really find beautiful about Airtable and, and our TypeScript code base is like really the how all developers really take ownership of it and mm -hmm. are able and like make the time to, to make those sweeping changes. And so it like it makes me very happy to think that no one has ever read the stock, you know, since they joined and still half the items are at least have been have been finished. So yeah, that's that's really cool. And it's really cool, you know, having uh, a passionate group of developers who care about it, have have opinions and know how to, um, you know, add these these tools and features to make not only their lives easier, but uh, everyone else's on the team's life easier as well. And I think that that's one thing that TypeScript really kind of helps, uh, you know, in a large, a sufficiently large code base, JavaScript code base specifically, it really helps to enforce some of these things. And uh, being able to, you know, have a single source of truth that is, actually truthful about what the data is that is so big uh it's it's you can't quantify like how how much easier that makes life when you're dealing with the when those with, with those um return types oh yes so, i can attest i can attest how nebulous work has made my life much better yeah. <laughs> so you you've mentioned this uh this document this and, and i'm very curious about maybe what other things might uh be on that document uh, in terms of like general improvements, um, well, I can look it up, but off off the top of my head, uh, kind of a fun, silly one is uh, we we decided to use uh, .tsx extensions everywhere. We just kind of got tired of choosing between .ts and .tsx for our file yeah. extensions, and we're like, all right, we only want one variant of the language we're using, so .tsx <laughs> everywhere. And so that was that was one of them. Nice. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I can see that. And you get the most capable syntax out of that, for sure. Out, out of TSX, I mean. Uh, let's see. What? Removing Emmys, yeah. right? Like, that's, that's, always, <laughs> that's one of the ones that's not completed, because we'll never eliminate any, right? Um, it's not true. You can just go alias it to other things. <laughs> Type that totally not any equals any. Yeah, there's always a way around <laughs> and it. There you go. We've definitely done plenty of that as well. <laughs> well, actually, all we do is deprecated underscore any or whatever, so people stop using it. For... Yeah. <laughs> I like that too. That's a good idea. But I like it because it's it's more descriptive than just any, and you give a path or a plan for eliminating it without fully eliminating it quite yet because it would break a lot of things. Uh, I, I, overall, I do like that. 
I often will do that too, where if I don't know exactly what the shape of something's going to be, I'll just create an alias and then I know to fill it in later. I'll add like a to-do comment or something and I totally come back to my to-do comments all the time. I was going to say, that yep. seems foolproof, Nick. You just, yeah, you come back to the to-do comments that every engineer, you know what they love to do the most. No, it's not start something new. It's go back and finish something they already started. See, Very that's common. why you put in a doc. Then no one sees it, even if they're touching the <laughs> relevant code. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm kind of feeling like this doc should be published as some kind of manifesto that you have. And then... I think that's really what you're missing here is you really need that cult-like thing around it. Like if you want to get something read, you just say manifesto and then people will be intrigued and be like, what, what's this guy on about? And I don't know, just, you know, you could also have people start like, you know, paying you for it too. Like it just, there's actually, you know, we, we have a different podcast about starting a cult. <laughs> so we're going to, we'll just, we'll table that for a different discussion. We'll do that different time. engineering blog post. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get you booked on. We'll get you booked on the How to Start a Cult podcast real soon. And on that note, uh, we really enjoyed talking to you about about uh, Airtable and the adoption of TypeScript. Uh, it sounds like a really fun place to work uh, where everyone takes the code seriously, uh, not totally not talking about cults all the time, and uh, um, you know, really cares about improving the code and making it better. And uh, is there anything else that you want to let us know about uh, life or, or the code at Airtable? Airtable.com slash careers. That's where, that's where you go if, if, if you want. Uh, uh, Nanya, do you, do you want to share anything? Uh, yeah, I think you basically quit, you summarized all the points that I really wanted to cover. Uh, we take code quality very seriously. Individual engineers are oft, are always empowered to make improvements as long as they just conflict with their work. Uh, and we are hiring very aggressively. So Airtable.com slash careers. Come join us. That's you want to work on a real... Yeah. Aggressively but with a light touch, yes, exactly. but aggressive. <laughs> you want to work on real-time like, collaborative yeah, databases like uh, and, and some React in there too. With, with, with a shiny shell outside. That's the thing. It really is a really nerdy thing underneath it in a positive way. But man, it's got a really nice candy coating on the outside that makes you just, just pulls you in. It makes you want to do stuff that you don't realize you're doing database stuff. Um, you know, just like my parting thing is honestly, I have, as I said, I've used it and it's, I just think I really, there's so many products out there that claim that, oh, well, we, we allow people to build apps with no code experience and you get in there and it's like, okay, so you're trying to basically make Squarespace for enterprise apps. That's what you've done. And that's not what Airtable did, right? Airtable took a fundamentally different approach and actually nailed it. Um, in my opinion, like the, to actually make it. Do the things that you want to do and not seem like you're just dragging weird inputs around and making dumb forms that just sit around and people say, like, you know what I'm talking about. You know the type of software I'm talking about that's just out there and you're just cringe every time you hear someone promise, you can build enterprise apps and ship them tomorrow. And you're like, no, you can't. I know you can't because I've built enterprise apps. You absolutely cannot do that. But, you know, with Airtable, you can actually do a lot of things that would you know, save you a ton of time having a developer make something like even my example on creating requirements. Like I haven't found a perfect solution for it, jumped in there and it got me, you know, really far in that process of something that just 
you know, would have taken me a lot of time if I had tried to do that in some other tool or make something myself. So anyway, people should yeah. definitely check it out. Um, I'm not being paid to say that. I just really love it. Yeah, it makes so. the, the complex things approachable to everyone and uh, does that through TypeScript. It's really exciting. Yeah. What Nick said, he, he's way more eloquent than I am. I'm, I'm just, I'm verbose. I'm, an, I'm like one of those uh, TypeScript <laughs> error statements that just keeps going. Just, it just, it just keeps going. And you're like, at some point this is going to end. Right. And it doesn't, it just continues on. Um, so yeah, that's me. But the nugget, uh, anyway, the nugget of you guys truth so is in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somewhere there is like a coherent thing, but you're never going to find it. Well, we so. will, we will simplify yeah. you in an upcoming release story. Uh, so <laughs> Thank you. Yes, thank you. I've been deprecated, it turns out. Danya, so. Caleb, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us today. Yeah, hey, thanks for thank having you us. Thank you so much. Have a good day. You guys too. All right, that's the show. Thanks so much for listening. You can find us online at talkscript.fm. You can subscribe or follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods casted to. The theme music is by Rabbit at rabbitstheband.com. We got a good thing. Gonna see where the day goes. Take it fast, take it real slow. We got a good thing.